Hello adulting with ADHD fam. Sarah here with an announcement. This summer we're hitting replay on some of our all-time favorite episodes. And as always, if you want to catch them all, visit patreon.com slash adultingwithadhd. The Adulting with ADHD podcast is not a substitute for medical advice. Please see a medical professional if you think you have ADHD or if you have questions about your current treatment. This is the Adulting with ADHD podcast, self-empowerment for people with ADHD. Today, I am very excited to have with me ADHD content creator, Sydney Rubio. Sydney, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Happy to be here. I am very excited as well. I found you on Twitter where all the cool kids are, and I I really appreciated a, a tweet you posted recently pertaining to women's health. And that's a little background of how we found each other. So welcome again. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your diagnosis story and when that happened? Yeah. A little background on, on me right now. I'm almost 29 years old. I have a six-year-old son who just finished kindergarten or not just finished, almost, almost owned kindergarten. He likely also has ADHD. I believe he might be 2E, which uh, is twice exceptional, gifted and ADHD. And like many women, I didn't get a diagnosis until after my child was born. Many women don't get their diagnosis until like their kids diagnosed, but he was still a baby when I was diagnosed. But I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was 24, I believe. And I'm pretty sure it was obvious as I was growing up that I had ADHD. I was always the kid that was like hyper in class, interrupting people. I had to turn my card a lot. Like with it was on green, I had to turn it to yellow and orange and red. And then my mom was called and I got in trouble all the time when I was a kid because my room was a mess. I forgot to do homework, et cetera, et cetera. So I just grew up thinking that I was just a nuisance and that was just how I was. And then I got into college right after high school. I like barely skated by in high school and I got into college, did not do well, ended up dropping out after a year. And then I'm like, you know what? I'll just go dabble around in some other stuff, did some other stuff. Finally, I met my husband. We got married, had our son. And then I went back to college, this time more determined, but I was still struggling. And specifically the biggest memory that comes to mind when I think about my ADHD diagnosis is I was studying for a cell and molecular biology unit exam. And I like, first of all, that was the hardest class I've ever taken. I think I got a C and I was proud of it, (laughs) but I'm sitting there studying for it. And out of nowhere, I started like hyperventilating and I started crying and I couldn't control myself. Like tears weren't coming out, but I was like sobbing and I was panicking and I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? And so I called a psychiatrist office and I like the nurse answered the phone. Hi, how can I like, I need help. Like I was crying (laughs) into the phone. Yeah. Ended up talking to this doctor when I finally got in about this panic attack and how I also am pretty sure that I have ADHD because that is where the problems come from is because I'm sitting in class and I'm trying to pay attention to this difficult class. And instead of listening, I know I should be, I start staring at the periodic table and like trying to figure out what words I can make out of it. And 30 minutes later, my professor's like, all right, sound good. Don't forget any of that. And I'm like, okay, I wasn't even paying attention. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew yeah. that then in college that 
there was something. Turns out I was a diagnosed, like many women, first diagnosed with anxiety and uh, depression. Yes. And I noticed some improvements. So that was likely there. However, I was still struggling with motivation and just a brain fog, low energy, can't focus for the life of me. And I went back to the psychiatrist. I was like, look, dude, please just, I need to talk to someone about the possibility that this could be a thing. Turns out he didn't believe in ADHD, apparently. Oh, that's and cool. And he was like, but yeah, I'll just, I'll give you drugs. Like he oh. was not the greatest. Wow. But I ended up getting medication and I took it, I think the next day, I'll tell you what, it has changed my life. It has changed how I am at home. I ended up making the dean's list my last semester in college before graduating. I'm more patient with my son now. I help around the house more. So yeah, that's a little bit about like what it was like before and through my diagnosis process. And now it's been five years and I'm living my best life, I think. <laughs> yes, this this sounds so, so familiar. And you touched a bit on what we're going to talk about more, which is gender bias and how right. it can really impact us in our ADHD treatment. How have you personally experienced this? Like I mentioned, a lot of it, it could have been addressed sooner in my life. Um, if there wasn't, it wasn't like nobody like went directly up to me and is like, you're a woman, you can't have ADHD. Right. It, was more in, it was more indirect. And I think that's something that a lot of, if not most or all women and not just women, non-binary yeah. and trans, the trans community yeah. as well. Like mm -hmm. it's just the medical research focuses on men. The, the diagnostic criteria is based on the research that they've observed when men have ADHD or more specifically nine-year-old little boys. Because that's focused on there, it indirectly impacted me. By, mm -hmm. Instead of a, or a teacher or my parents being like, hey, maybe Sydney has ADHD. They were like, why are you so loud? You need to sit still. Why your sister is being quiet? Why can't you be quiet? So you know, that in my childhood. And then treatment wise, I experienced it also indirectly. I know there are people out there that experience it more in a direct in your face way, but treatment wise last year I was pregnant and I, this, so when I was pregnant with my son, I hadn't been diagnosed yet, but when I was pregnant last year, I was like, okay, so I'm still taking this medication. Is it more dangerous to just quit cold Turkey or should I just taper down? Should I keep taking it? Should I switch? I didn't know. And I tried to look online for information, tried to talk to doctors. The big thing is nobody knows. Nobody has any clue how medication would affect pregnant women because people don't touch pregnant women. Right. And I understand there's health risks, but it, there, it's more of a risk in my opinion to not know. And then all these people are like, I don't know what to do. And then, so yeah. That, uh, that's like my personal indirect experience with that. Absolutely. You covered my next question, which was how this all happens in medical research. And, and that's a really good point. Like it's not overt. It's not like this big flashing sign that, Hey, we're being screwed here, but man, boy, is it happening. And mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing your story. Hi there. It's Sarah again. Hope you are enjoying the replay. I'm thrilled to announce a new tier for the show, Friends of the Show. This exclusive Patreon tier offers some sweet perks for those who want to show extra support and also get their name out there. To get started, visit patreon.com slash adultingwithadhd. Please know that some restrictions apply. So as a patient, even if it may not be our 
responsibility. How can we <laughs> become more astute researchers when we're trying to, you know, advocate for our health, given that there's not a lot of research out there? I, first of all, I, I was in research. I was in science for a while. I had graduated with a, a degree in uh, biomedical science and chemistry. And I had started on a master's in genetics and microbiology, but life events prevented that last year. I got super close to defending, but so I have a pretty strong science background. So when I see articles about ADHD, one of the first things I do is I, I try to find the medical research that they're talking about. So mm -hmm. if I'm reading it in an attitude magazine or another blog or whatever, I'm like, okay, so what are these people talking about? That's the first thing people can do is if there's no link write to the editor, ask for a link, like, Hey, could you, could you, you know, post the link on, on this blog? I would love to know like where this research came from. And then once you have your hands on the article, by the way, you could, you go, you can go to pubmed.gov uh, or uh, Google scholar, and you can find papers there sometimes for free, sometimes not it's science, but you find these articles, these actual scientific articles, the first thing you should do is check the publication year. What year was this even published? This goes for anything, not just things like regarding women. Check that publication year because if it was written right now, we're recording this in 2022. If it was anything before 2017, honestly, I'm like, I don't even, there's been research since then. And what was the other thing? Oh, check the study cohorts. So cohorts, that just means a group of people that were studied by the researchers. And you can find that in the, sometimes the abstract, which is like the first part of like a science paper, but often you'll have to flip through and look at their methods. So papers are organized by like abstract, introduction, methods and materials, results, discussion. So you're going to want to flip through, find those methods. Sometimes they're stuck in the back too. And check out those cohorts. First of all, first question, you, first thing you should look for, were women included? If they weren't, then you know <laughs> that you should take this research with a grain of salt. If they're saying this is how ADHD presents itself and you're like, okay, but you only studied four 10-year-old boys. Like, <laughs> like you would be surprised a lot of cohorts are like less than 10 people. It's just a wow. few like white boys. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I yeah. That, so I thought that was a joke. Like, you you really no, no, no. are being serious here. I'm being 100% serious. Wow. Yeah, so I always do that with any type of research, yeah. any types of claims, but, but that's, those are two really big things to look for. Like, first of all, were women included and then check out the parameters of these people that they're studying. So yeah, just be aware of the research that you're consuming, I guess would be my biggest tip. Don't look at it and be like, oh, only 10 people were studied. This is a bunch of malarkey and just ignore it. No, there's probably some truth behind it, but it's good to just be aware were women involved? Yeah. Yes or no? <laughs> so that, that's fantastic advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the work you do with Inflow. We talked a little bit about this offline. Let's yeah. So let's see, after I ended up not going to fin or ended up not finishing my master's degree, which kind of, thank God, honestly, I would be in a, a research lab right now. And now I'm doing what I love. I didn't finish that. And then I ended up trying to expand more of my online presence. I've been a, an ADHD advocate and content creator for a couple of years now. And I, I have my Twitter account. And then I also have a YouTube channel, which I haven't posted in a while because I have a a big girl job now, but mm -hmm. I, I was posting stuff on there and 
people like it got people's attention. I guess it got the attention of a co-founder of Inflow and they reached out to me on LinkedIn and they're like, Hey, we would love to interview you for this position. We're hiring for a content uh, marketing manager person, runs the blogs, runs our social media, hires freelancers, et cetera. And I was like, Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I'll interview. And (laughs) I was just like super casual. I didn't realize it was like for a full-time job. And then I ended up getting it. Yeah. Yeah, So they're based in the UK and um, I live in, unfortunately, the the Midwest in the USA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah. But so they're in the UK and they started this company, I think two years ago, the, the idea was born, but last year they launched the app in like May 21, I think. And basically what it is, it's an AD management app and it consists of modules of like any topic you can think of that's ADHD related. So there's like some on like procrastination, impulsivity, there's some on women in ADHD, there's rejection sensitive dysphoria, which is a topic I really like talking about. Good one. I've talked about enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically there's just all these modules, it's audio. And so think of like short podcasts, like and each, mm-hmm. each, each module is one day and, or not one day, there's five to seven days per module and you learn things. There's transcription for people that don't want to listen to it and just want to read it. And basically it, it's like cognitive behavioral therapy based, and it helps you learn more about yourself, your ADHD. You can do journal entries. There's accountability coaching that checks in with you. Make sure you're doing the stuff that you said you were going to do. So yeah, some people find it overwhelming. Some people find it expensive, which is fair. Sorry, my calendar keeps making noises, but <laughs> I I like it because it's cheaper than therapy. And That's fair. I still go to therapy. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still growing. We're dropping modules all the time. I love it because I get to I get to help people still, and I get to spread information on our blog. If you don't want to spend money on the app, you can check out our blog, which I manage. Yeah, I just like spreading information, and I even have a whole entire blog about gender bias on there. Ooh, um, yeah, about a research. I did a survey, and it's about basically comorbidities and ADHD diagnoses, and like the difference in men and women, and it's pretty interesting stuff. I will link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Exciting. If listeners want to keep up with you online, what's your Twitter handle? What the ADHD. All one word. Fabulous handle. And where else? (laughs) Anywhere else we can keep up with you? If you want to check out my old videos, maybe I'll get back to it at some point. But I do have a YouTube channel. It's called uh, What in the ADHD. I have a Facebook group that I'm awful at keeping up with, but the same handle <laughs> on there. And then, yeah, the blog on Inflow, it's getinflow.io. And you can just keep up with what I'm currently researching. And I'm, I'm actually, I know you have a podcast on this that you released yesterday, I think, on hormones. Yes. Yeah. So I'm actually, I've been doing a lot of research on that because I want to publish something about that soon. Excellent. Sydney, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything else you wanted to share? Did I cover everything? Uh, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I I don't think so. I get panic attack, report cards, Adderall changed my life. No. Yeah. I think I got all the Adderall changed. (laughs) Yeah. That sums it up. Well, thank you so much again, Sydney. And hopefully we can have you on again and talk about RSD 